0: This podcast is brought to you by Guy Finley, the best-selling author of a new book entitled, Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together. Please listen to podcast number 685, where Guy and Greg discuss a host of special insights into how to develop and work on building great relationships with everyone in your life. This book carries the keys to identifying self-limiting behaviors, which might be keeping you from realizing the kind of loving, compassionate relationships with others, including with yourself. I hope you'll listen to podcast number 685 with Guy Finley, the author of the new book, Relationship Magic. For more information, please visit www.relationshipmagicbook.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Cameron, as I do every time I come on these shows, uh, it's now going on 14 years of doing podcasts. And we now have exceeded 700 podcasts with authors and thought leaders in the area of personal growth, mastery, wellness, business, and spirituality. And it has been a very fun ride. And we continue to put this out into the airwaves because there's a hungry desire for it. And Cameron uh, Mitchell is joining me today. And you're in Ohio. Is that correct, Cameron? Uh
2: Uh-huh. Columbus, Ohio, yes.
1: Columbus, Ohio. So... Cameron Mitchell has a new book out for all of my listeners, and it's called Yes is the Answer, What is the Question, How Faith in People and a Culture of Hospitality Built a Modern American Restaurant Company. And for all my listeners, Cameron, Mm -hmm. it's very easy to get to Cameron's website. You just go to www.cameronmitchell.com. That's C-A-M-E-R-O-N-M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L.com. You will see uh, the story, the restaurants, everything about Cameron Mitchell and what's been going on. Uh, Also, I want to encourage everybody to go to Amazon and get this book. We're going to put a link in the blog to that as well. And Cameron, let me let my listeners know something about you. He's a lifelong entrepreneur, accomplished businessman. He graduated from the Culinary Institute of America when he was 22 years old. And has developed 18 different restaurant concepts, including Mitchell's Fish Market, Mitchell's Steakhouse, total of 22 restaurants that were sold to Roos Hospitality Group for $92 million in 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this day, the Cameron Mitchell Restaurant remains independently and privately held recognized over $300 million in combined annual revenues from its food service operations consisting of 60 restaurants. And those restaurants, you can see at the, at the website. Um, the answer is yes. What is the question? That's what we're going to be talking about, how to make raving fans out of every person touched by business, from associates to guests to delivery drivers to the back door. So, Cameron, you've had an interesting journey in getting here, like most entrepreneurs. And I've interviewed many of them. As a matter of fact, another gentleman, I, I should have looked him up before we got on, who did a restaurant chain in the Michigan area, Midwest, and uh, again was kind of known for this. And when we get done here, I'll let you know uh, about him. So your father left your mother, and we're gonna go into your personal story because I think these personal stories are really what make up the fortitude of, of really entrepreneurs. Then in your middle school years, you stopped seeing your dad you were driving home with your mom and she, he says, when's dad coming home? And she says, he's not. You mentioned in the book that things seem to unravel. Mm-hmm. Um, how did your experience, or I'm going to say lack thereof with your father affect how you built your business empire and culture today?
2: Sure. And it, it dovetails both also into my personal life too, and how I built my family today and where it's at today. But, uh, you know, when I was nine years old is when my dad left and I bounced around seeing him every other weekend for a while and then that faded and I got into drugs and alcohol and uh, eventually uh, by the time I, start, yeah, I started seventh grade smoking and drinking and and drugs and by the time I got to a sophomore in high school I was uh, um, out of control and eventually uh, dropped out of high school and ran away from home. My mom, I think, was going to have me declared incorrigible. and and uh so i spent about six months uh living on the streets and and uh you know scraping pennies to buy a box of macaroni and cheese et cetera. and uh, you know living that we shared a one bedroom apartment with another about six other runaways and and so forth one guy had the apartment and, and it was just a, uh, a very difficult uh, time for me i actually attempted suicide uh, on my 16th birthday when i was on the run and and I, I uh, fortunately, uh, I think I had some divine intervention, I'm not sure, but I, you know, the night before what was to be my junior year to start, I picked up the phone and called my mom and said, I want to come home, and I came home with literally um, a pair of jeans and a T-shirt, and I don't even know if I had any shoes anymore, uh, was, uh, came home the night before school was to start, and started uh, back to high school that year, and, um it's kind of a ironic story. I, I I started that's the year nineteen eighty when I started I need I needed money. I, I my mom couldn't give me any money. She was administrative assistant. Uh you know, my dad would stop child support and and, and everything in alimony and, and I just uh um we were broke and, and flat broken so I had to literally work in the in the high school cafeteria so I could get lunch, uh, during my lunch hour and wash dishes and then I got a job washing dishes for two sixty five an hour at a local steakhouse uh, branch and, and uh that was 40 years ago. Next year, I'll celebrate 40 years in the restaurant business. So I worked through my junior and uh, senior year in the restaurants, and uh, in a restaurant, and uh, I got to my senior year, and I, I got elected senior class president, and, and I uh, ended up not being able to walk uh, with my class and give the commencement speech because of my high school grades, and I didn't get a lot of the work caught up, and. And I, I finished my high school career. I finally got out in summer school after my senior year, but I finished my high school career. My class rank was five ninety two out of five ninety seven, and I had a one point oh five GPA. And so, well, I
1: I also remember reading that you missed your English point because you didn't get to walk. Right. And and what was the what was this lesson that you were taught by this? You know, um, I think when that happens to somebody and they get either not not able to walk or they get put back a grade. Uh there's something that then gives most people a lot more fortitude as an entrepreneur.
2: Yeah, I uh, I vowed um at that point first of all when I came back and you know I just realized that uh you know no one was going to take care of me but me. Um you know I wasn't going to inherit any money, I wasn't going to win the lottery and the only uh, person who was going to take care of me was me and and I vowed uh at that point in time when I uh didn't make graduation and the uh, humiliation and I suffered along that with that uh that I would never let that happen to me again. I would never uh, not finish anything. I would never uh, have have anybody have that power over me to set me back. And 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 I took it all upon myself at that point going forward. And and I've really never looked back since then.
1: Yeah, and and a really great great story here. You went. Then, uh, your father passed and you mm-hmm. were quite young. He passed of an aneurysm. And he was an insurance salesman.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Correct. You never got to see, he never got to see your success. No. What do you wish you could tell him today if he was alive? I
2: don't know if I would tell him anything. I would just like to, uh, have shared with him, uh, you know, my success. And, and, uh, you know, it, it, uh, that childhood I had, um, uh, uh, has always stuck with me. And, you know, I, I, from that point forward, I always wanted to, uh, I always envisioned myself to be married and I, I met the woman of my dreams and, uh, we've been married now 24 years and we have three wonderful kids and, and, have uh, been a great father to my, my children and a great husband to my wife. And, and, um, you know, I, I would, I don't, I wanted to break that cycle, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very the, you mean
1: the cycle uh, that was part of what your father did by leaving your mother. And mm-hmm. I think, it's so important um, when we're affected by things like that that when we grow up and have kids, we, we would mm-hmm. do everything not to have something like that for our kids. Mm-hmm. Now, you went to Culinary Institute of America and graduated in 86. You mm-hmm. were 23 years old. And then, two months after graduation, along with Jeff Hollenbach and Richard Stopper, you opened up 55 at Crosswoods. It's a 250 mm-hmm. seat rest- restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um what was it about your personality that you learned to manage and work with people in a more compassionate way you were having mm-hmm. a lot of issues with people in the restaurant they didn't like you they were complaining mm-hmm. i think you were kind of a pompous ass is what it seemed like correct <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> good choice so, of words <laughs> so so what what did you what epiphany did you have about being a pompous ass well, I
2: had uh, I, I I was very intense and and uh, very driven and I you know I had my goals set out. I was going to be president of a restaurant company by the time I was 35, and here I was a young sous chef and just graduated from the Harvard of Culinary Schools and 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 very driven. I was working you know 70, 80 hours a week and whatever it would take and and very intense. And I got promoted to, to executive chef and. And I got promoted to general manager, and I was 24 at that time of this uh, white tablecloth restaurant, uh, top 10 restaurant in downtown Columbus. And I was, uh, uh, I was, you know, working that restaurant very hard. And I thought to myself that the success of the restaurant was dependent on how hard I worked and and what I did as general manager. And uh, and I was writing people hard and pushing people hard and looking over everybody's shoulders. I didn't trust anybody. I was just, you know. Uh, uh, just a bear uh, to work with and they had eight servers had a clandestine meeting with my boss at his office and said either he goes or we're going and he said you know uh thankfully thankfully he said uh he's not going anywhere and i don't want you to go anywhere let me talk to him and, and, and we'll get him to change it so he called me into the office and told me about this clandestine meeting i was shocked i thought i was doing an awesome job a great job and and yet, uh, that wasn't resonating with these people. And I, I, he said, you know, you need to change, and you need to change immediately. So, I went to the bookstore and I got some books and some leadership books, and uh, and started reading and studying. And and again, I said, uh, you know, it goes back to getting in my high school. I wasn't going to allow um, these people to be in control of my life and and to to cut me short and so forth. And so I said, you know, I'm going to do what I need to do to get these people to embrace me and to learn and to change. And so I changed my whole uh, mantra, 180 degree turn. Uh, so uh, from being how how well I did my job and how hard I worked and, and the restaurant's success depended on me, I flipped it on its head and I said, you know, the restaurant's success will depend on everybody else and how they do my, their job. And and so I immediately changed uh, to, instead of working above everybody and working down, I, I worked below everybody, working up and supporting them. And uh, ended up, uh, um, uh, you know, that changed my life and changed my leadership style forever, you know, that uh, we win with people and I work through people, with people, and support people, and and everybody else, I make everybody else around me successful, and I don't worry about my own success. And I'm, and I, by making everybody around me successful, by virtue of that alone, I, I myself become successful. And that's how I focused the rest of my life.
1: Well, obviously, you had that lesson early. And I think that was very important. A lot of entrepreneurs don't get that opportunity. And I think it's so important to have these epiphanies along the way like you had. And, and it's kind of a wake-up call to say, hey you know, what am I doing? Let's let's not point the finger out there that it was them. Um, in 1992, you were let go by Richard Stopper mm-hmm. and then you wanted to start your own restaurant company. And I want to make that differentiation here, not just a restaurant, a restaurant company. You mentioned during this period of planning that you were reading incessantly lots of books, but one in particular was this book called The Customer Comes Second mm-hmm. and Other Secrets of Exceptional Service. What you learn from that particular book that you apply today to almost everything that you do?
2: Well, it's uh, by Hal Rosenbluth uh, and Rosenbluth Travel, and, and he uh, inherited his family business and found nobody was happy there. And he had his own epiphany and his own awakening, uh, uh, and and that has become um, uh, the mantra for our company. Uh, as I wrote out our company, Culture and Values, I did it the first Thirty days. First of all, I would say, Richard, let me go. I, I was I was um, uh, thinking about leaving because I was hitting my head on the ceiling, and, and and Richard was a micromanager. He was a great boss and my early mentor. Uh, and it was the business was owned by hip pocket business some wealthy businessmen. And I I had determined uh, about six weeks prior that I was going to leave the company and start my own company, but I was planning like within a year. You know, to, I was going to save some money and. Prepared and so forth, and word got out. i told some friends, and word got out. And Richard couldn't have his number two guy with one eye looking forward and one eye looking out. One, one eye looking out, and so um, he called me in the office Saturday morning and said, "It's time for you to fly." He said, "This is going to be the best day that ever happened to you," um, and he did it lovingly. It was you know out of care, you know, and I understood and 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 so forth. So that Saturday morning I left, and I started Monday morning. I, I spent the first 30 days. You know, reading and, and you know, I had all over the walls of my restaurant, my my apartment, you know, different quotes, and I I, I you know reflected on my 12 years in the business at that point, and 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 I I knew somehow instinctively I wanted to I want to build a restaurant company that was going to be around for, you know, 10, 20, 50, 100 years, and it was if I was going to do that and do that successfully, it had to be a company based on uh, a great culture and values, and so that's what I did. I wrote that out first, the first 30 days, and. And it's still the same today. We've been, and then I said about the course of building a restaurant a company based on that culture and values. And as a CEO, uh, I say to th- this day, our associates come first. Our our guest doesn't come first. I look at it as a triangular relationship that we take care of our people, our people take care of our guests, and our guests take care of our company. And, and that has proven to been, be very successful for us over the years.
1: Well, it's a very servant leadership model. And uh, uh, I wanted to ask you this question. You know, you outline the eight core values of your business in the book. And I was wondering if you could tell our listeners what they are and why it's so important to the DNA of the Cameron Mitchell restaurant chain.
0: Mm-hmm. This podcast is brought to you by Jeffrey Gittimer, the author of a new book entitled Truthful Living. Please listen to podcast number 688 where Greg and Jeffrey discuss the 23 lessons that he writes about from the recently discovered works of Napoleon Hill that are over 100 years old. These lessons such as, Success is up to you, and Finish what you start, are all from the original writing for Napoleon Hill with commentary by Jeffrey. If you want to read a book that will certainly help you change the course of your life, pick up a copy of Truthful Living by Jeffrey Gittimer, and listen to Greg's engaging interview with Jeffrey on podcast number 688. If you want more information about Jeffrey and Truthful Living, please visit www.gitomer.com or visit the Napoleon Hill Foundation website at org. Thanks for listening.
2: Well, I mean, the number one core value uh, is our, our associates come first, and, you know, the, the um... Uh, you know, it's not our guest comes first, but our associates come first, and 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 then you know, there's uh, eight core values. I don't know if you want me to list them all, but that they, they uh, um, everything we do, and then there's five what I call pillars to our culture, five questions that we have to be able to answer that um, I, I think really give us the foundational direction of where we're going. But that that culture, those pillars, and those values, we use as a screen. Um, that we measure everything, and everything goes, you know, and if it's not in line with our culture and our values and those pillar questions, uh, then uh, we don't do it. And so uh, I've said a thousand times, you know, what does that have to do with great people delivering genuine hospitality? What does that have to do with being better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today? And if it it doesn't, then we don't do it, and it becomes the screen by which we measure everything we do and value everything we do.
1: Well, and it's so important to uphold those when you're running a business uh, and as, at the same time, as you said, your associates are first mm-hmm. and they're taking care of your customers. And I think that's the important thing for people to understand is that the human capital value on the balance sheet is so much more important than everything else. It's your biggest expense in most cases mm-hmm. in most businesses. And I'm sure that's true in the restaurant business as well.
2: Yeah. I say we're in the people business, really, is what we're in. And it's not, you know, happens to be restaurants, happen to be our platform, Uh, but we're in the people business.
1: Right. Now, if you look at your food costs versus your cost of labor and all the other things you have to do to have your associates be happy so that they're giving a great experience (laughs) to the customer, it, it is a marginal amount in comparison. Now, along your way, you know, you, I state this, you were opening up. Uh, not just one restaurant, but basically a whole chain of restaurants. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for any entrepreneur entrepreneurs out there listening how to raise some money? Because Mm -hmm. along the way you had some challenges and I'm sure you've got some great advice because you raised money many different times. Mm -hmm. You had all kinds of challenges with Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. reneging and uh, give our, give our listeners a little bit of advice about going out to raise capital.
2: Well, I think, you know, when, especially in the beginning, in the beginning I had 250 names I had, uh, you know, put together. And I was blessed in that regard that I was working in, you know, running a, a group of six restaurants. I was out in dining rooms. I got to know a lot of people and, and guests and so forth. But so I had about 250 names and I've gained 25 people to invest in the beginning. So I had 225 no's. And, um, and your ego just takes a, a, you know, a beating at that point in time, you know, because people are. They're nice about it, but they're basically saying no, and what they're really saying is that in the read between lines they don't believe in you and they don't believe in the risk and so forth, so you have to uh be able to sell yourself and you have to uh have uh portray integrity and and that you've got a good plan and that that uh and get people willing to take a chance on you now today when I raise capital, which I haven't raised capital in probably ten years now but you know, along the way, I got a little more successful at it, and it became a little bit easier as we went along. But it's never been easy, and uh, you know, to get people to—we've uh, raised about thirty million dollars in capital since we started, and uh, to uh, get people to invest that kind of money in you, and and uh, and even banking—you know, you know, uh, uh, banks have lent us millions of dollars on top of that. And you—you you have to have your reputation has to be earned every single day. And your integrity has to be intact every single day. And you always take years to build and days to ruin uh, integrity. And and so we hold that as uh, one of our highest uh, values. And you have to be prepared uh, for no. And uh, you have to have the uh, uh, the fortitude, I think, at that point in order to keep pushing and keep plugging away and otherwise uh, because in the beginning in particular all the inertia is against you you know it's like a salmon swimming upstream you know uh, and and it's uh, you know a very very challenging it's probably the most difficult thing I ever did was opening that first restaurant and, and followed right behind that was opening you know second and third and running those two or three restaurants by myself without any infrastructure you know I just never worked harder in my life
1: well, and I think what my listeners can learn from this is persistence and fortitude. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's required. There's going to be a lot more no's than yes's most importantly to continue to hone your presentation, because when you first go out, it's usually not as good as it can be after the the 10th time you go out. Right. So it's, it's all about polishing the rock, isn't it? Right. And, and I think that's what you've done along the way quite well. And early on,
2: I had early on, I had one partner that uh, uh, wanted to invest the whole thing in me and was going to give me all the money I needed, and and I didn't take it because, you know, I could just sense that this person would want to own me, and own the restaurant, and and say, you know, and I was end up working for him, and I and, you know, I was so hungry to get funded, uh, that was one of the hardest things for me to do too, is to turn down that investor and say, I'm sorry, you know. I can't do that. He ultimately decided he didn't want to invest at all at that point in time. He didn't want to put all the money in and have control or not put any money in. And it was probably one of the smartest things I ever did.
1: Yeah, usually that is the case when you find somebody (coughs) who wants to buy the whole thing. They are looking to control something and then then they end up being the only person on your board and they want to be on your board and all that. So there are a lot of lessons to learn from this. And when you're growing the business, you're growing your family as well and you had the stresses of really both. And you realized on 9-11 that you kind of pushed your people too far and both too fast mentally and physically. And you had this epiphany. So what transformed or occurred in you personally that woke you up to your own personal ills?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I've done it actually twice now in my career. I took a second lap around that track uh, at one point, but uh, the, you know, that was probably my biggest, one of my biggest lessons to learn is uh, that, you know, mental capital and human capital is the same as physical capital, you can overspend that and go bankrupt in that way too and and we had pushed our people so hard and to the brink and it's not they were quitting uh per se, but they were exhausted and they were exasperated and and uh very frustrated and and you know that i, I learned that and I saw that and I felt that and you know i i uh I was letting my own personal um drive uh uh, get in the way and, 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 and supersede, uh, our values. And, and our, I wasn't putting our associates first at that point in time. And so, um, we stopped and we, you know, we got through it and and, and that caused a lot of damage. We, you know, we were, uh, you know, uh, you know, broke, we couldn't pay our bills and, you know, we'd overexpanded and, and uh, and it took a few years to dig right out of that. But, you know, and then I, um, I did it again in my hubris after the sale uh, uh, in 2008. You know, I was going to rebuild the EBITDA that we sold, and and uh, and I went out and signed I think seven restaurants to open in the next two years, and a, a huge capital commitment. And I and only left like three million dollars in the business, and I committed to 22 million dollars worth of growth and uh, capital. And and uh, then you know the big crash hit, and the depression hit, and so that was a whole other. A uh, round of that, and and that's the last time I've done that, and I just will never do that again and and it just put our people through hell,
1: well, it puts your people through hell and also a lot of sleepless nights for you yourself. I'm <laughs> yeah, sure.
2: absolutely, uh,
1: you know, waking up with cold sweats. I know I've opened up five businesses myself, so I'm very familiar with that now you um you take the employees through this four hour training and they receive mm-hmm. this little red book. Here's what I'm going to insert. Um, have you ever heard of Zingerman's in the Midwest? Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Okay,
1: Okay, so he was on the show, Ari, uh, the founder of that company. And it's interesting, this little red book idea uh, kind of goes between both these restaurants. He calls them the, the, I I I actually happened to list it, uh, look it up. It's the 12 Natural Laws of Building a Great Business. And he gives his people kind of a little red book as well. Mm-hmm. And you have your core values and your five pillars in there. Can you mm-hmm. tell the people these five pillars that you run your restaurant chain mm-hmm.
2: on? Sure. And I, I would say before I do that, I would say uh, these five pillars are, are questions I call them uh, that our uh, that our company is built on. I believe people, any business, needs to be able to answer these questions uh, uh, with what I say, authority and conviction. And so first and foremost uh, for us is, you know, uh, what do we want to be as a company? And we want to be an extraordinary company. And by definition, uh, extraordinary is the opposite of ordinary. So we go to great lengths to do extraordinary things within our company at all times. We do not want to be an ordinary restaurant company. Secondly, how do we, you know, uh, who are we? So we ask what we want to be. Now we can ask who are we. So we are great. We define ourselves as great people delivering genuine hospitality, Easily defined. Everybody knows great people in their life. Delivering means someone's receiving. Uh, genuine means from the heart. Hospitality is defined as treating guests as we would treat guests in our like we would in our own home. So we're that's who we are. We're great people delivering genuine hospitality. Then uh, we talk about our mission. You know what is our mission? And our, our mission is to thrive with both cultural and fiscal responsibility. And it's very simple. Um, Uh, and what I mean by that is it's it's a 51-49 relationship. Job number one in our company is to maintain our culture and values. It's not to make a profit. Job number 1A right behind it is to make a profit and to make a damn good profit, but never at the expense of our values. We'll leave a dollar on the table before we ever sacrifice our values. So And at the end of the day, we benchmark ourselves against every publicly held restaurant company out there. We're always in the uh, upper quartile or upper 10% of all publicly held restaurant companies in terms of profitability. But uh, we don't drive profit. I drive profit hard, but never at the expense uh, of our our values. And I want to be a company, we want to have a company that's uh, here uh, long after I'm in a big restaurant in the sky that's continuing to thrive because of it's a values-driven organization fourth pillar is we have about 5000 associates in the company today and uh you know uh we have lots of different job descriptions but all 5000 of us have the same role in the company and that is to make raving fans of the five groups of people we do business with and that is first and foremost our fellow associates our guests our purveyors our partners in our community and i i believe um, uh you have to you belong everybody belongs to one of those five constituencies to have any interaction with Mitchell restaurants So if we make raving fans out of those five constituencies of people, we'll make raving fans out of everybody we come in contact with in our company. And then finally, uh, so we've asked, you know, what do we want to be? We've asked, who are we? We've asked, what is our mission? Uh, We've asked, what is our role? And our final question is, what is our goal? So businesses have goals, you know, uh, daily, weekly, hourly Monthly, yearly goals. We say we have hundreds of goals within our company and our organization, thousands of them. They come and they go. But one goal stays the same 24 7, 365, and that is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today. And uh, by virtue of that alone, uh, where it 's our insurance policy we are somewhat of a successful restaurant company today, and if we are uh, better than today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today, by virtue of that alone, tomorrow, we will be more of a successful restaurant company than we are today. It also creates an environment of change. You cannot be better at something today than you were yesterday and better at something tomorrow than you are today without changing without growing uh, without improving so um, it, uh, it, as far as I'm concerned, status quo is the death knell. We don't ever want to be uh, maintain the status quo. We're continually trying to improve ourselves and push ourselves and, and grow in our practice of what we do. So, um, so those are the five pillars of our culture along with our eight core values. And then the final piece of our culture and values is yes is the answer, what's the
1: question? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what you were just articulating there, I think is so important for every business. The one thing that you said that really resonated is be better today, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Every day get better. And Mm -hmm. I think that's true about all the listeners at Inside Personal Growth as well. The reason they listen to these podcasts consistently is because they're continual learners. And that's Mm -hmm. the only thing we find is if you hire continual learners in your restaurant, people that mm-hmm. always want to make it better tomorrow than it was today. Those are the people that are going to be your best employees and the people that are going to stay with you the longest. Absolutely. Now
2: it's a curious, you, George.: yeah.
1: yeah, you've got to have curiosity. If you don't have curiosity, you you're pretty much might as well uh, you know, rack it up, as, as they say. As you said, go to the big restaurant in the sky. Uh-huh. My
2: favorite is people will say, uh, if someone wants to see the hair go up on the back of my head, they say uh, one of two things. One, that won't work because, you know, well, wait a minute, we haven't tried it yet. How do you know it won't work? Uh, number one. <laughs> number two is it will be easier if we do it this way, you know. When I say great restaurant turn is difficult. If it was easy, everybody would do it. If we always take the easiest way to do things, then we're going to have just that, a mediocre company.
1: Right. And, you know, as you've done this, you, Cameron Mitchell, personally have reinvented yourself many times. Mm -hmm. But every time you reinvent yourself, you reinvent what you touch, you know, in other words, your businesses and the people in your business. Mm -hmm. And I think that your successful track record, as I read in this book, was really somebody who was constantly reinventing themselves all the way from the time they were in high school all the way till now. And that brings me to this Closing question. Yeah, I still
2: am now. (laughs) That's right.
1: Well, you have a book now, so Mm -hmm. Cameron, you're in your fourth quarter of your life, as you Mm -hmm. said, and Mm -hmm. I, I look at it as some people call it the sunset years. I'm 64 Mm -hmm. years old myself, Mm -hmm. so you want to leave a legacy. How can you do? How can you best do this to make an impact on those left behind, your children? Mm -hmm. You know, if it's your children that are going to be running the restaurant or Mm -hmm. key employees. Mm-hmm. while furthering your values and principles at the same time, I was looking at some of the cool things you're doing, giving money to the Culinary Institute and mm-hmm. all this kind of thing. I'm sure you've got your own foundation. Mm-hmm. So what are, what are the ways you want to do that? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you know, I, as human beings, we can only <clears throat> do so much, but, um, uh, I've got, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got on my desk, uh, my legal pad, which is entitled fourth quarter goals. <laughs> and, uh, you know and hopefully i get into some overtime if all goes well uh but uh, so i'm not counting myself out but i'm in a in a transition phase now um you know i want to focus mostly on two uh two words so two, i call them the two s's and one is that is strategy and the other one is stewardship and and you know, strategy. I want to be the chief strategy officer of the company. I am today, but I want to. That's really where I want to. I want to be able to slow down a little bit, truly become the chairman, truly be the chairman of the company, and and still I will hold on to uh, the you know the chief strategy officer, if you will, and and uh, help guide the company as long as I can, as long as I'm capable of doing that, and into new, you know, new ventures, new directions, continuing to study and reach and. You know, we're thinking about maybe getting in the hotel business now. At this point in time, we're we're working on a deal now with that and starting a boutique hotel group and and some other things. And so, uh, along with continuing to grow our business and and develop new concepts and so forth, and then the, the stewardship piece is really the stewardship of our business, the stewardship of our company. Uh, spending a lot of time with our young people, our younger people, training them and teaching them. And you know, I, I host a series of Saturday afternoon uh, uh, meetings where young managers come in and just just we just talk. We break bread and, and, and talk. I host a uh, uh, a uh, young restaurant group. I've got six or seven now young restaurateurs that have one, two, or three restaurants that I meet with bi-monthly for four or five hours and and help them, uh, you know, uh, talk with them and help them through. Hopefully, avoid some of the pitfalls that I made in my early days and help uh, help uh, steward them. You know, we've launched. Uh, we're the lead donor and created. Uh, the vision for this uh, new 80,000 square foot state of the art hospitality management school at Columbus State and uh, you know, be at, uh, at Mitchell Hall. They were nice enough to name the building after me with our donation and our contribution. And, and that's a 10 year project. We're halfway into it. It opened this year. Uh, and But there'll be many more years leaning into it. We're helping with the uh, ideation of the restaurants there and the whole curriculum and, and everything else and, and giving back to our industry. Um, uh, and also giving back to our community in many ways. I have a, I, you know, I have a litany of other things that I'm working on uh, within our community and to help uh, build our community. So,
1: Well, truly, Cameron, your story is a story of an entrepreneur that's gone from success to significance. I kind of relate back to a book called Halftime by Bob Buford, mm-hmm. and um, you certainly are following that path. You're taking the resources you've made and redistributing those into areas that can make a significant impact. And it's always really, really refreshing to see that in an entrepreneur, no matter what age they are. Um, And the only thing I would have said is that, you know, I would have started some of those activities a little bit earlier, but you're always constantly pumping money back into your own businesses and you don't feel like you have it maybe, or you haven't made it, but The reality is we know the more we give, the more we get back, and one of the lessons that that we can take from your story is a man who's giving, a man who's giving back to the community and has always wanted to do that and had a big heart. It's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth, Cameron, and sharing your message and uh, speaking with our listeners today. I'm going to guide everybody to go pick up the book, Yes is the Answer, What is the Question?, Cameron Mitchell, How Faith in People and a Culture of Hospitality Built a Modern American Restaurant Company. Thanks for being on, Cameron.
2: Thank you, Greg. It's been my pleasure to be with you today.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Dr. Kenneth R. Peltier, the author of a new book entitled Change Your Genes, Change Your Life please listen to podcast number 687 to hear Greg's interview with Dr. Pelletier about the new science of epigenetics, which studies the human epigenome. Learn how our lifestyle choices and life conditions play a large part in how our epigenome functions and in turn determines the function of our underlying genome. What we eat and drink and breathe, as well as our stress levels, use of pharmaceuticals, and our psychological and physical environment, are as important as our family ancestry in determining our propensity toward a certain disease as well as our health and longevity. Please listen to podcast number 687 if you want to learn how you can affect your genes toward improved health and longevity. If you want to learn more about Dr. Pelletier's new book, Change Your Genes, Change Your Life, please visit www.d-r-p-e-l-l-e-t-i-e-r.com